Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, Episode 9. Today we're going to be talking about KNG, who's just been kicked from Immortals literally minutes before going to wear. We're going to talk about the uh, ESG Mykonos Tours. We're going to talk about ESL1 New York, Dreamhack Montreal. We'll have a little section on how to rank up by playing soccer. And we'll round it off with a Toxic Player of the Week. Before we get started, it's just come to light that Snacks has stepped down of the from the uh, IGL position at Virtus Pro. He posted a lengthy post on Facebook explaining somewhat cryptically the reasons for doing so, basically because Neo hasn't really stepped up in terms of his uh, aim and skill level, which was seems to be part of the reason why Snacks took the reins in the first place. It's been a bit of a backlash online and on Reddit. Because uh, he was seemingly quite, um, uh, quite, quite pointed with his criticism of Neo and Taz, although he didn't mention them specifically. But he was talking about the uh, the players from '87 and earlier, which I assume means 1987. And the only player he directly praised, or who he sort of said was playing at a acceptable skill level, was uh, uh, Pasha. So it looks like Neo is going back to IGL, which I think was sort of rumored anyway to be happening. Um, and we've had another uh, kind of cryptic, passive-aggressive post from a player on social media. This is disappointing. Snacks, I thought you were better than this. But, you know, the, the response has been sort of, some have been, well, it's kind of deserved considering their performance and it's been, and it's been a long time in the making. And some have even been, seem to have been relieved because Virtus Pro's um, how do I say? Communications with the media generally are pretty, pretty opaque. They're, they're basically just like, oh yeah, we're going to be good. We're going to get, be- we're going to get better. We're going to try harder. And that's, I guess, that's generally Taz talking. So, I guess somewhat of a relief to actually hear some candid talk from one of them for once. It's uh, long been calls for them to sort of disband the famous five. But as one redditor put it, I don't think that they do themselves any favors at this point. And one of the reasons. Personally, I love to watch them play. Is that it's still the same five? There's been so many roster changes recently, especially when you look at a team like Faze that have just basically bought their way into an amazing roster. It's lovely to see this team still sticking together uh, and trying new things to come back. All right, so we've got a lot to get through today, and I really don't want the podcast to go on as long as the last two did. So. We won't go into so much detail on these tours. We've obviously got this Immortals drama that's just blown the hell up. Um, so let's move on quickly to ESG tours. Mykonos, Mouse Sports with the eventual victors. They beat VP and Liquid beat SK in the playoffs. And so Mouse Sports and Liquid were in the playoffs together. Uh, and it was a kind of a messy grand final, scrappy, back and forth. It sort of veered between uh, one team dominating the other until it just seemed uh, to kind of land on a map that Mouse was better on. Um, Oscar went off, full Chuck Norris mode. Um, him and Chris J, they're basically the daddies of that team, aren't they? The more I think about it, the more the more teams kind of need that structure or that sort of combination. Like if you think about a team like a family, families have definite hierarchies with parents and children. There are, there, there are distinctions and delineations that have to be made for everybody to feel comfortable. Um, and... Uh, and, and it means that sort of everyone can, can play to their strengths. P- 
parents can can play well enough and solidly enough to make the children feel safe and set a good example for the children and the children can play to their full potential to try and impress their parents and they have boundaries within which to work and that's a good IGL and possibly a good support player at the top there of the hierarchy. So it seems that Mouse have sort of found that structure now with Sticko and Sonny and of course Rops being, I think he's 17, maybe he's 18 now, being the essentially the children in that scenario. It seems to have uh, paid off for them. They're starting to fire on some cylinders. In terms of the actual, um, well, congratulations to them. In terms of the actual competition itself, um, it's a bit like Summit where it's more relaxed. There's a lot of shots of people by the pool. And while the players seem to like it, I think as a viewer, I don't know if it's the right thing for CSGO, to be honest. Uh, and I think if you're looking for an alternative to, let's say, a, a major or a dream hack, that HVC, HTC 2v2 Invitational was a better idea because then you've got a difference in the kind of Counter-Strike we're watching but not a difference in the weight and the import of the competition. And uh, I'll explain myself. Pardon me. just been drinking some lemonade and I'm getting a bit burpy. Um, what it really comes down to is the more I see kind of slightly overweight, pasty players flapping about a pool in their ankle socks or even having a cigarette like post-major victory, aka every player from mouse sports, the less interested I am in them as like star players or as, or, or as players that I sort of want to invest any of my time into. It, it kind of undoes some of the work that these other tournaments are putting in, like I am like a dream hack to sort of mythologize the players. And, and one of the ways those guys do them is with these great videos that really give them sort of uh, more of a mythological status. Um, so, th- 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 in essence, there's very little maintenance of their image during a tournament like this. And I feel like that kind of does the whole sport a disservice. And I'll tell you why. As a fan, I'm investing my time into watching the games for starters. And that's how I'm obviously supporting the sport most more regularly but also by buying tickets to events that are near me and by buying merchandise and skins from the team and um not skins what are they called badges what were they yeah you know what i'm talking about the uh the major things um i'm actually investing in an idea and an idea that i have about players and players in whom i've invested imagination and uh emotion and a, and, a, and, a, and a tournament like this that really is kind of nuts and boltsy and allows me to see a bit under the skin of things, I actually think winds the clock back a little bit for my investment in the sport. Um, it kind of seems like esports in its newness just hasn't really woken up to the way you can successfully manage a team and a sport in terms of the image it shows to the people. And actually... I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, um, but one of the things that Noah Winston uh, came onto my radar for, he's the CEO of Immortals, if you don't know, was actually directly talking about turning his team into brands themselves and making sure that whether they won or lost, they were beloved or interesting to the fans. So obviously, we're going to get to Noah Winston and all of that stuff in a moment, but uh, interesting how I think an event like this just doesn't really do anyone a service. Um, and if it's a holiday that the players want, perhaps they should be having it on their own dime and not as something that I, I don't know, tune into. Um, 
I think I'm going to have to skip to ESL One New York and then come back to DreamHack Montreal, even though uh, on the timeline Montreal was was uh, before ESL One, just because there's a lot to talk about with the Immortals. So ESL One just wrapped up. Uh, if you're living under a rock, Phase won it, and they destroyed everyone. Liquid beat SK. Phase beat Cloud Nine in the playoffs. So the grand final was. Um, Liquid and Phase, and now just just to touch on Liquid before we get to that final, they had an amazing run in this tournament, uh, especially their victory over SK in the playoffs. Part of that might have been down to the psychologist that they've hired, who Zeus was talking about in an interview, not the psychiatrist. Did I say psychiatrist or psychologist? Anyway, psychologist, definitely not psychiatrist. Um, if you're not aware of the difference, psychiatrist prescribes drugs, basically. Um, so the problem, he said, we were facing was just on a simpler level, it's just an emotional problem on how to deal with pressure sometimes and sometimes how to deal with these situations. Something so simple like that can trigger and I think it's been improving. Over the last couple of events, we've been able to maintain our composure and our decision-making is a lot better. The rationale has always been there. We've always been working on it. We Now we just consistently make the better decisions. We know how to react. I've really got to learn not... I've really got to learn to stop quoting these guys because their English just isn't good enough. And when you quote a little block of text like this in an interview, it almost comes across as a bit meaningless. Anyway, he's talking about basically, uh, look, if I'm reading through the, between the lines, they were getting tilted um, and weren't quite sure how to deal with that. And the psychologist apparently has been helping them. Uh, although he, he did say they'd been playing SK a lot in practice and they weren't intimidated by them. Obviously... They hadn't been playing phase much in practice, and, and and for fair reason, the phase line has only been around a short while. But um, they they seemed very intimidated by phase. Um, and now, just before we get to this grand final too, I read a comment um, on Reddit that said a liege is not cut out to be a star player, and this tournament kind of confirmed him once again as basically the star player on Liquid, even though Twist is a lot riding on his shoulders. There's a lot of expectations. He did have a good tournament, and he has had some great tournaments recently, especially uh, at Mykonos. Elijah's still a player that st- sticks out and has for a while as one of the most individually skilled in terms of aim and, and positioning. But I would tend to agree with this comment. I think a star player needs to be someone who brings everyone up to their level, and lets them share in the glory. Like, it's not just someone who completely outshines everybody else and and doesn't sort of um, spread that shine, if you know what I'm saying. Um, can you see Elise sharing anything with anybody else? I mean, I only see him... I, I only see of him what, I guess, I'm exposed to on the streams, I'm exposed to on Liquid's, um, you know, occasional... Uh, content behind the scenes. But this guy's stone cold. Like, I've said it before, he's an expressionless dude. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, and that's probably a fairly polished thing as well, to be honest. But that's just that's just how it is. It's like, um, you know, when I, whenever I look at liquid, it reminds me of... um. It reminds me of the Breakfast Club, like there's one jock, there's one nerd, there's one goth, there's one slut, there's like one cool guy, and they don't really naturally belong in the same room together. 
Like, I don't see how any of them have anything in common. And, and on top of that, their coach is Brazilian. Like, how they've actually managed to post the results recently that they have, I have no idea. And it, it could actually simply be that a lot of it is due to Twist and his sort of childlike enthusiasm, which I think we saw after they beat SK when he was interviewed on stage with OJ Borg. Just this sort of real naive optimism. Maybe that's really been helping them because they seem quite cold and uncommunicative with each other uh, otherwise. Look, this could be completely reading into the situation wrongly. It's purely speculative. Um, but if you listen to this podcast regularly, you'll know that's my that's my stock and trade, so I truck in. Um, let's go to the grand final. Someone in this grand final during the actual match in um, ESL actually tweeted this or on screen they said that phase was the final boss of csgo right now csgo is a video game you get to the last level and phase is sitting there on the throne laughing at you i think that's a very apt description this went to three maps it was going to be a best of five it only took phase three. First was inferno phase went up 15 nil on the first half just insanity at one point carrigan was fragging 15 and 0. It was just insane. And and one of the highlights of, of this map for me was a moment when Olaf and Rain were in T-Apps, right? This is Inferno. They're in CT side. They're on the hallway towards balcony. They're both sides in a crossfire, right? So one's facing one way. The other guy's... One, one's facing basically towards the balcony. The other one's facing down to the steps. Olaf's facing down to the steps. And two liquid players come. One comes from the balcony and one comes up the steps. Rain gets the headshot on the balcony player. Olaf gets the headshot on the steps player and they both pull back. Can you can you picture trying to go up against those two in B-apps? Like, is that not one of the scariest things? I mean, that, that is a scary, one of the scariest things I've ever seen in Counter-Strike Pro tournaments. Like, it, it was just... I actually, to be honest, I did feel bad for Liquid towards the end of this but we'll get on to that um in fact this rattled them so much poor liquid in this first map that stanislaw knifed jdm in the back like it was like i don't know it, it just felt like everything they did phase knew what they were going to do so not only were they firing all cylinders but they'd also actually studied liquid um and that obviously scared the shit out of liquid Next map was overpass. Liquid went up 3-0. Oh, uh, I think... Sorry, just back to Inferno, I think. Uh, yeah, FaZe went up win winning that 16-3. So we went to overpass. Liquid went up 3-0, off to a good start. Basically didn't manage to get much further than that. Nico went absolutely massive. Guardian went off. Rain, just a consistent beast across these maps. Um, there was one point where Stan got a nice flank on A long. And I think that was a good demonstration of how the new P250 has served us well for these long-range duels. He got a frag on someone from a very long distance. Uh, if you're being annoyed by the pistol nerfs currently, as I am by the Tech 9, maybe go for the P250 if you're going to take any long-range duels at the moment. Um, and the first half went 11-4 to four in the phase direction, with Elige basically being the only one who was halting Liquid up with the kills. And, you know, it's nice. FaZe look like they've got a bit of direction as well. Some set plays, which I was kind of a little bit disappointed by the lack thereof in uh, in Malmo, I think it was, last time we saw them. Or maybe it was Mykonos. 
I actually think it was Malmo. So it's it's uh, nice to see they've actually been putting in the practice as a team. Um, Liquid fights back, fourteen to fifteen, and then they get uh, they get really excited. And I'm sure if you're a Reddit lurker, you've seen this play or read about this play by now. They get excited and rush through the smoke at B on and in the, at, at water. Nico just sprays him down with an ump, and Stanislaw not only <laughs> shoots JDM in the back, but then throws a nade that hits JDM in the back and and kills himself. So, like, if you watch... And it, look look for this on um, Reddit or Twitch TV from Stan's perspective. I think someone posted it because it literally looks like a really bad gold Nova. Maybe not even that. Maybe like Nova 2 play. It was embarrassing. And... Um, and actually, I did read it's a, a pretty cogent uh, explanation for this, which is that from someone on Reddit, which is that Liquid didn't really believe that they could win the map or win the whole tournament, the series, full stop. And so when they were actually about to come back, that had this great streak coming, uh, you know, clawing their way back on B site with some actual proper strats, they kind of freaked out. And did this kind of stupid suicidal rush, and, and is this the pro? Is this the uh, is this the product of not really having that self belief, or having a belief and wanting to affirm it? There is such a thing in psychology uh, um, as uh, that's called the self verification theory, where everything we do we do because it verifies our sense of self, and anything that doesn't verify that we are displeased with so for instance i've talked about relationships in this podcast before but for instance if you have a partner who believes you are very good in some way and your self-belief misguided as it may be is that you aren't you will eventually reject that partner for that belief even if they're correct and you are not so if liquid go into this map thinking we are definitely not going to win this we're not good enough this is phase they're monsters this is olaf this is guardian etc etc and they get to the point where actually they have a chance is there a part of them that just goes, hold on, we're supposed to lose, let's fuck this up? It's not actually an impossibility. And the more we learn about the brain, the more we realize we're just kind of irrational bits of meat um, moving around, you know, the farm of life solely based in our emotions. I'm not going to get philosophical on us here. Uh, this map was basically the first time anyone got to double digits against FaZe in the whole tournament. In the whole tournament. It's crazy. Between these two maps, right? Before the last map, Carrigan is fooling with the camera, eating bananas. Once again, proving himself, obviously, one of the best showmen in the game. But the rest of the players are literally clowning around. Just having fun. Like, literally clowning. Throwing snacks to each other. Catching them in their mouths. This is the pressure that is lifted off your team when you know that you have Guardian on your AWP, when you know that you have Olaf Meister, when you know that you have Nico, when you know that you have Rain, when you know that you have Carrigan backing you up with morale and strats. Like, they're having fun at a major tournament. 
Liquid looked like they were about to shit their pants. So the third map was Mirage. Twist begins to step up, right? Obviously, starting to get a little bit serious now, which is good. Starting to relax, perhaps, but also starting to go, shit, this is actually possibly the end of the tournament here. Has a great clutch on the B side. Stan has an almost great clutch on B. Elise finally wins a great clutch on B. They can't get anything done on A. How is this so different from the Mirage maps that they've absolutely dominated in this tournament already? I should go back and watch these because I mean, Mirage was looking like one of their best maps for sure up until this point when they absolutely lost it. So one of the stats um, during, this, during this map that ESL tells us is that FaZe wins 92% of rounds in this tournament when Nico gets the first kill. And then he was 20 to 6 in opening duels. So when Nico gets the first kill in a map, FaZe have a 92% chance of winning the match. Or winning the round, I should say. That's crazy. Halftime goes 11-4. FaZe eventually win at 16-4. Guardian wins his second ESL1 New York. A few less tears this time. If you remember last time, it was quite emotional. This is not, this is not exactly the same final we had last year. Um which was so exciting. I ended up staying up to watch it last year. This one I had to watch on the replay. Uh, but look, good for him. Uh, I really felt for him last year. It felt like he'd sort of carried the team in a way. He brought them so far. It had been, uh, been a tough road. Um, nice that it ended on Mirage again this time. Um, Carrigan, in the, in the speech afterwards, he says that everyone's hitting their peaks, but they don't yet have the structure they will need if someone's not going to be hitting their peak. He says they'll need another month or two uh, until they're there. So, kind of cool. This is not... He's obviously a little bit more realistic about this. This is probably a bit of a honeymoon phase. All the players are excited to play with each other. They don't quite yet have the structure there. Um... So I guess this is a beginning for FaZe. I don't imagine that they're going to continue this sort of dominance unfettered all year. As I was saying uh, last potty on about FaZe, there's going to be a lot of friendship and bonding that they're going to have to do. And we saw some of that with the ESL extra content. Or is, was it ESL or Malmo? Either way, I saw a clip of them all go-karting. They seem to be getting along quite well, which is a relief. Um, interestingly enough, Minutes before I was recording this podcast as well, a clip surfaced of Carrigan on Keo's stream being somewhat unkind to Alu in terms of his consistency with backing someone up on the map. Um, but I'm not going to say anything about that. Thorin, after this, reckons that G2 are the only ones who are really qualified to beat FaZe right now. I would say Astralis, if they can relax, can do it. And also, FaZe haven't really played a good SK yet. In fact, I don't think they have played SK with this new lineup. And SK, as we know, are basically, or have been their kryptonite with the old lineup. So, interesting to see whether or not the new lineup will react the same. Let me just, um, let me just go over the stats for this tournament just really quick because this was just nutters. FaZe went 16-5 against Virtus Pro, went 16-6 against Astralis, went 16-4 against Cloud9, went 16-3 against Cloud9, 16-3 against Liquid, 16-14 against Liquid, 16-4 against Liquid. They won 112 rounds and lost 39 rounds. Pure dominance. Pure dominance. 
What I'm interested in is how can they drink Red Bulls at the start of these maps? Like if I drink a Red Bull, my, my crosshair just immediately flicks to the corner of the screen the moment I see an enemy. I just get way too jittery. And yet you see Nico and Guardian like smashing them before the match has even started. What, what is going on here? Is there anyone out there who can tell me what's the difference between them and me? Are they already so hyper relaxed that they need this? Or are they actually just so exhausted from jet lag or traveling that they need this to be normal? It's a mystery to me. Let's move on to DreamHack Montreal. This is the big story of the podcast. You've heard a lot about it over the last few weeks, couple of weeks, week. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the CSGO scene at all. You're probably tired about it, but if this happens to be your only source of Counter-Strike knowledge, and I know for a fact it is for some people, let me just recap for you. We had DreamHack Montreal. North, who are playing out of their minds right now, beat Cloud9. Immortals beat CLG in the playoffs. North, come up against Immortals in the Grand Finals. Then Immortals show up too late for the Grand Final, or at least three players show up too late. That's Henny, Lucas, and KNG. And they have to forfeit the first map. Then they lose the second to North, and North win their first tournament title with this lineup. The coach comes out, says it was his fault because he slept in. Uh, He slept in? No, because he let the players sleep in. No, he slept in, and he didn't wake up the players. So there's a lot of commentary, obviously, that can go along with this, but let's move on to just the facts as they are for the moment. Shortly thereafter, a player from CLG called FNS tweeted that, great, we lost against three players who were hungover, obviously making a joke at his own expense. Then KNG comes out and tweets, prove it or I'll kill you. Obviously, the meme heard around the world. And uh, by this stage, and then... um, when asked to apologize, he says, I'll never apologize. And now, breaking developments, Noah Winston, CEO of Immortals, basically put KNG on suspension. But last night, they played three maps against CLG in an offline qualifier with a stand-in for KNG. But somehow KNG turned up and played the last two maps of the series, which they won. Then <laughs> Noah Winston tweets this. Let me just get it up. He tweets, KNG had been under internal suspension and was not authorized to play tonight. Expect further news this week until... Uh, he said, the right to represent immortals must be earned, not given away for free. Players who don't uphold our standards lose that right. And that honor trumps all. And then finally, just minutes before I started recording this, KNG has posted that he is no longer with immortals. And he's taken all the immortal stuff from his Facebook and Twitter account. And uh, and apparently, according to him, loves his life and lives it with laughter and so will come back. I think that happened in the middle of this, shortly after the Immortals players, Steel and Bolts, were left kind of clutching their mouses when their teammates didn't show up to DreamHack. 
Montreal grand final was that there was a little stream with Jason R and Bolts was on it. And Jason R was like, hey, what's going on with your teammates, man? And Bolts calls them retardeds and faggots. That's right, retardeds and faggots. The amount of childish behavior demonstrated in this whole episode blows my mind. Because it's almost like what I deal with in matchmaking just kind of bled out into the pro scene, which has absolutely been insane because one of them is a casual game with no stakes and the other one is a job for people with millions of dollars at stake. So this is a very... uh, this is a very serious fuck up by many people on many levels. And as I hinted at um, at the start of this podcast, I think the one person who should probably take most of the rap here is Noah Winston. Um, and I like the guy. He seems like a really cool, genuine dude. I've only read um, a few interviews with him. I've listened to his podcast Uh, The interview that was done with him on The Score eSports podcast, which I suggest you check out if you have not. Uh, They do some great interviews. Um, But this is a guy who really should have been a little more cognizant of what was going on with his players, how they were behaving. Um, And if not, he should have had someone appointed to be telling him how they were doing or reining them in. Uh, there, there was an interview with him, as I mentioned. And in this interview, he was talking about building the Immortals brand and the brands of his players. And I think the, that's the one thing that he kind of actually hasn't really done here. He hasn't really achieved here. And as I was also talking about with the family structure of something like Mouse Sports, who's the daddy in this team? I bang on about like Fallen being the daddy of... Um, SK, but for good reason. And I think I saw somewhere that Fallen was in the army. Actually, I've seen footage of Fallen like doing military marches and stuff back when he was he had a completely different name, um, Gabriel Scorino or something. That's someone with some leadership ability, right? That's someone with some presence. That's someone with some authority. Who's that person in Immortals? I asked this question a couple of podcasts ago. Still's a lovely guy, but. That's not a leader. That's a lovely guy, right? And Noah's like a a flaxen-haired... Oh, no, actually, he's red-haired. Um, you know, cherub-faced boy wonder from uh, Silicon Valley. He's not... Um, or it's, it feels like he's from Silicon Valley. I think he's actually from Harvard. But he's not... Uh, he's not an authority by any means. And look, maybe it doesn't have to be a daddy. Maybe it needs to be like a team mother, but someone needs to be with those players at all times, stopping them from being their own worst enemies, telling them to pull their head in and threatening them with serious consequences if they don't do that. Is that what a team manager does? Probably. Do they have one? Actually, I'm not sure. Uh, the coach obviously resented being in the parental role um, and maybe that's... Maybe that's right. Maybe that's maybe that's not the right role for him. Maybe he should just be free to concentrate on strats or uh, 
team morale and not be having to be the parent for these for these boys. I mean, it seems obvious in retrospect that you get a bunch of guys from a different country very young, give them a salary, put them in a house in a different country, and of course they're going to be playing up and partying because there's a certain sense of disconnection, right, you feel. You feel that just after a few weeks when you're a teenager and you're traveling in another country, let alone for months and months on end. And this essentially having the prospects of it being your career and and your future for for several years, possibly. So I think there needs to be a lot of voice in this conversation. Um, And even just the way Noah's conducted himself on Twitter doesn't give me full confidence that he's that alter voice. I think he's a smart guy when push comes to shove. But the fact that he's getting kind of drawn into answer replies and, and trolls on Twitter doesn't give me much confidence in his ability to actually really understand that kicking KNG now is kind of too late, right? Like the damage has, has basically been done. Now, do we rally around steel and bolts more, potentially? Um, that's a possibility. Although, bolts calling his teammates retarded's and faggots, to be honest, um, makes me not want to watch him again. Because he kind of comes off as purely childish as they are. But um, is the Immortals brand damaged? Well... It's highly possible. I think kicking KNG has been probably the best thing that he could have done right now, considering the circumstances. But I think you're going to have to have Henny and Lucas come out and make a statement that's mature. And it's probably been vetted by someone with some PR knowledge. They obviously have no idea of the power they have to shape their own futures with everything they're doing publicly now. And this is just a simple, uh, this is just a simple kind of um, tell of maturity, right? Maturity is considering the future, weighing up the benefits of acting now as opposed to acting later. And uh, these are players who are purely acting in the present tense, which is, well, I have a tournament next week. That's the tournament that matters, not... What if CSGO dies? What if e-gaming changes completely in its nature? What am I going to do then? And one of the things that we're seeing is that players who actually invest in making themselves a brand or a name or an interesting personality or someone fun with an insight into the community is going to have a, a longevity in their career far beyond what their skill as a player is. This is not rocket science here and it's not something that hasn't been discussed in esports media before, but these guys just are clueless at the moment, seemingly, when it comes to this sort of thing. Absolutely clueless. So it's going to be interesting to see what the fallout of this is going to be. A lot of people were raging against Winston on Twitter, saying, you know, you, you'll, you're ridiculous to kick KNG. He got you to a major. Let's be honest. Immortals beat some pretty easy teams to get to that grand final, right? And Immortals are not going to be a team that I want to watch because of KNG. Like, that's not what their value comes from. 
And I reckon Winston knows this. The value in Immortals isn't having an Orpa who's, who's okay. You can look at Kenny S and go, well, G2 is an exciting team because Kenny S is on there. No, G2 is an exciting team because Kenny S has been around for so long and so good. And now they have other players around him who are almost as good and from the same scene. There's a real identity there. If KNG sticks around and manages to stick around for four or five years, yeah, then he's a player with value. Up until then, he's just a young guy with a bit of raw talent. And there's plenty of them out there. And I'm sure there's plenty of them who'd be hungry enough to work as hard as they can to show someone like Winston, if he's actually the person who does the hiring, that they can be just as good, if not better than KNG. So this is sad. This is a sad time for him. I, I feel sorry for him, especially when he tweets out things like, you know, uh, things in sort of seeming defiance and uncaring of the fact that he's been kicked because that to me just seems a bit delusional. You know, now you may get onto a, a, a good team now or you get onto a team that you can actually work towards and, and, and bring up sort of in the way luminosity came from sort of seemingly nowhere. But you have sullied your brand and I don't just mean in the commercial sense. I mean in the way anybody thinks of you forever. And it's a shame. It's a shame for anyone, let alone someone with a bit of talent like him. Now, enough's been said about that. Let's move on. Um, this is a little section called Play Soccer Rank Up. And it happened to me on Monday night that I actually ranked up and it came after a game of five on five indoor futsal, which is just indoor soccer, which I play with a team of, to put it kindly, misfits. Um, this week we lost 14-1. Yeah, 14-1, which is kind of par for the course for us. I think the worst we've lost has been 16-2. Basically, I have no sport skills to speak of. Uh, between us, we generally have more than five players, but this week we had five players, so we had no subs. Between us, we maybe have an okay player, but individually, we're pretty dismal. Our goalie's not bad. He's deaf. Uh, and we're playing people with serious skills, like serious ball skills. Our team on Monday consisted out of, of an out-of-work actor, um, a, a sort of neurotic psychiatrist, um, our goalie who's deaf, as I previously mentioned, a writer-director, and uh, myself, someone who has a podcast about Counter-Strike. So uh, in this match, I turned an ankle, almost threw up. Um, uh, I winded myself. I couldn't move the next morning. But, you know, when I got home, I sat down and started playing some solo matchmaking. And I played three maps in a row. I top fragged all of them. And the second one has significantly higher ranked players than me. And you know what I did? The first thing I did in that first map was I calmly greeted my team and I started to lead them. Like not because I want to lead or because I like leading. In fact, I really don't. But I don't know. It just felt like they were like, oh, should we do this? And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And no one complained and no one was an asshole, which is very, very rare, as you can imagine. And I ranked up. Now, this is not a common occurrence for me. I'm generally not as calm 
as I was. I generally get a bit adrenaline, adrenaline-y, adrenaline-y, a bit shaky, a bit, a bit excited when I get into games. And I know it doesn't have a good effect on my decision-making skills, but this time I felt so calm and so in control and so relaxed. And I was thinking about what is it, right? Because I'd, I'd never played after a soccer match previously. I'd usually been a bit too tired or it was a bit too late. But I was thinking like, what is it that possibly happened here? And it could be that some of you are thinking of the fact that when you see some of the player profiles that the tournaments make, like about Olaf, about Rain, um, I think even maybe Simple, you see that these players, or Dupree maybe, or like ex-soccer players, right? They were obsessed with soccer. They played it at fairly high competitive levels. None of them were pros, but that was their passion. And then somehow, generally a big brother, they got into CSGO. So is there something in soccer? We've also seen a soccer match between SK and VP, and the players were actually pretty damn good, like their skills. They obviously play or have played a lot of soccer. So it got me thinking, like, what is the correlation there? And I wondered, maybe, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but I think it's linked to the fact that you have a team and they're around you. So your spatial awareness starts to grow, right? Your, your actual awareness in terms of you think about like a bubble around you, like a sphere, it actually expands to encompass not only your, your, the field, but also spe- specifically your teammates and then the ball. And every time you get the ball, there's a very specific goal and that includes working somehow with your teammates to get that ball somewhere. And I think when that consciousness expands... It's probably a little bit similar to um, meditation. But when that consciousness expands for that, for a certain, like a concentrated period of time, it actually takes a while to go back down again and for you to become sort of more introverted again. So if you can sit down at a game of CS and be aware on a, on a, in a sort of a, how do I say it? Not a metaphysical way, but in a, in a, uh, in an unconscious way about a space around you, I think it actually translates to, being more aware in the game. Even though it doesn't have to be a physical space, it's simply thinking about a virtual space translates quite effectively. So I would say, if you've been uh, raging recently or you find that your nerves get the better of you in a game, maybe have a game of soccer if you can or, or, or any sort of team sport that happens on a, on a larger playing field, ping pong, might be good, but maybe doubles be better. Um, I'd say running doesn't help. I've done that before. As I said, weights doesn't help because it's all about you in those scenarios. And actually, often in running, your your circle kind of grows smaller. Your circle of awareness grows smaller. Any team sport where there's some ground that has to be covered, rugby might work, basketball, and then play some CS afterwards and tell me how you go. Uh, that's my that's my pro tip of the week. Let's move on to the toxic play of the week. And the dubious honor this week actually goes to a four-man team. Uh, and I'll read out their ridiculous names. First guy was called Spaz, I'm back. One guy was called If Entry. One guy was called Yuckin or One Uckin. And the last guy was called Bray. Game started off pretty regular. No communication at the at the start until someone told me, uh, "All right, you won't get kicked after I just clutched around." So, always good to know that uh, you're simply playing 
by the good grace of some unseen, unheard asshole. Basically, for the most part, they played like fools. They switched every single round where they were playing. We were playing on train, which is which is quite a difficult one to keep on changing. Um, basically, in the final round, they shot they shot each other, and we lost the map. And that's half an hour of my life. I'll never get back. So thanks, boys, if you're out there and you're listening. Thanks. Finally, you'll recall I was giving away some tickets to ESL One New York. I managed to give those to Maxwell Rivera, my most loyal listener. None of you actually wrote in to ask them for me, you ding-dongs. Does that mean I don't have any listeners in New York? Actually, it probably does mean I don't have any listeners in New York. And if I look at the stats on SoundCloud, most of my listeners are coming from elsewhere in the U.S. Actually, if you're curious, most of them are coming from uh, the U.S., Actually, I don't know where in the US, but US is first and then Sweden is second. So, so shouts to all the Swedish boys putting in a list. Another little tidbit before I end this was when I was going back to the eScore, to the, to the Score eSports podcast, I did notice that in one of their latest episodes on the 7th of September, they had Anders on. He revealed that he's no longer casting with Semla. He called it a, a, a he called it an hiatus, a hiatus. He called it called it a hiatus. Yes, which means that they potentially be, will be back casting at some point together. But in the meantime, I will cry myself to sleep at night and continue to feel a hollowness in the bottom of my stomach. I love those guys. Oh, finally, our by the numbers is back. That's the Thorin and Richard Lewis podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably listen to that one as well. If not, I urge you to check it out. One of the reasons I started this podcast was because there wasn't really much out there in terms of audio content for CSGO. Uh, Now that podcast kind of fills a lot of the gap. Those guys know more about Counter-Strike than me. Um, There may be too much. I don't know. Uh, Listen to them if you're not because they're great. But the one thing they don't know is the truth. That's right. If you want to get in touch, you can email me at thetruthcsgopodcast at gmail.com. That's thetruthcsgopodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at thetruthcsgopodcast. Uh, Until next time, enjoy your game, have fun, and please don't kill anyone. Outro song this week is courtesy of the Ramones and dedicated, of course, to KNG.
team on green.